I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. We are now to the point of discussing the sixth watch, or the second day watch, from 9 a.m. until noon. But before I go any further, I'd like to take a moment and come to a focused point in regard to these watches. They are in the Bible. Sometimes you have to dig for them. You have to look for clues and phrases that stand out, such as a certain hour of the day in the evening, in the morning, a specific watch. The watches are there to be found if you choose to dig, and in digging we fulfill our purpose in God's plan for us within His will according to His purpose for us. We all have a purpose. It's up to us to discern what that purpose is. Let me say that no one's purpose is above anyone else's. The pastor is not above the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, or the prophet. None of them are above the purpose who vacuums the sanctuary or dusts the pews or cleans the toilets for that matter. You want to be a leader? Learn how to follow. Follow Jesus and live the life that he modeled for us. How low will you go to serve others? The purpose that God has selected you for may not be what you think it is or what you would like for it to be. That's okay. Discern what God has selected for you and hold on to that, no matter how trivial or inconspicuous it may seem. Another thing that I'd like to drive home is your attitude towards God's Word. Far too often, people read their Bible to prove an end result that they already have in their mind or to support an agenda that they have already formed. Don't do that. Allow God's Word to establish what is right and good and follow that. God's word is truth. Don't interpret the truth. In doing so, you may attempt to make the truth subjective to fit your ideology, narrative, or agenda. That's dangerous. Either you believe what God said and that God meant what he said, or you don't believe it and attempt to fashion what God said into something more palatable. That's a lie. Don't do that. God's word is true and God is faithful. These two facts are supported by Scripture throughout the Bible. The following verses are just some of my favorites to support this case. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he promised through Moses his servant. And consider Joshua 23, verse 14. Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth, and you know it in your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All has been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. Now in case some of you have a bad taste left in your mouth from chewing on the Old Testament, let me present you the words of Paul in the New Testament. 
Romans chapter 4, verses 20 through 21, and Paul speaking of Abraham. Yet he did not waver in his unbelief concerning the promise of God. Rather, he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He was fully convinced that what God had promised, he also was able to do. Now that's New Testament, but Paul's speaking about Abraham, and it still tastes like Old Testament. So let's continue on with verses 23 through 24 in Romans chapter 4. Now not only for his sake was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake as well. It is credited to us, those who trust in him who raised Yeshua our Lord from the dead. What I'm getting at here is God's word is true. All of it. None of it returns null or void. Believe it or not. We cannot in good faith and conscience merely pick the parts of what God said that appeal to our liking. Initially, there was a lot of what God said that my flesh didn't like. But as I began to apply the truth of God's word in my life, I found that I began receiving the promises of God's word in my life. Now there I go talking about works again. It's okay, you can breathe. I'm not indicating in any way that my works are associated with acquiring my salvation or yours but my faith is associated with my salvation and that faith produces the works of applying truth, living and receiving God's promises. Either you believe God's word and trust him or you don't. It's that simple. Now I would look into the Bible and I can see these watches, these blocks in time in God's word. I see that even God himself, as well as our Lord and savior, Jesus seemed to work within the parameters of these watches even throughout the crucifixion event. I find that remarkable. You may not care. But this second watch of a day is a time for work. After all, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. If you're not working at something by this time, then you'd probably be considered idle. That is, of course, unless you work various shifts like I have for the past 30 years. But the time of the shift that you work may change. The times of the watches have never changed. Matthew chapter 20 verse 3. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Standing idle in the marketplace. Like standing idle at the mall. That means they're not doing anything to help themselves, nor were they doing anything to help anyone else. In Acts chapter 2, verse 15, For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Had they been drunk between the hours of 8 a.m. and 9 a.m., they would have been considered idle. But they were not idle. Being idle indicates that one has time to enter into a sinful situation. Ever heard the old saying, Idle hands are the devil's workshop? Well, this is where that old saying comes from. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Now, this is the second watch of the day. If you're not working by this hour, you'd probably be considered idle. However, the mere act of being busy does not ensure that you are accomplishing anything. I was once the world's worst about doing just that. I'd be busy, but what I was actually doing was killing time. Don't kill time. 
We each only have a certain amount of time in this life on this earth. Don't waste it lest you find your time running out and see that you have accomplished nothing. I know. For I have wasted so many years killing time and I've begged God's forgiveness for it. God has given each of us an allotted amount of time. We need to identify our purpose, our calling, our gifts, and move forward to fulfill that purpose. Having said that, every second of the time we have has a purpose, and we should delve into God's Word to discern, with help from the Holy Spirit, the purpose for the moment and pursue that relentlessly. Otherwise, we find ourselves wasting time and energy as the prophets of Baal did in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 26 through 29, spending six hours calling upon a God who has nothing for them. They were worse off after six hours than when they started. They were exhausted and bleeding. By 9 a.m., you should be about fulfilling the purpose of God in your life for which you were born to do. Now, this watches a time to pray for the harvests, as in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And it says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Glory! What would I give to see 3,000 souls saved at one time? But this watch is also a time to pray for the manifestations of God's promises in your life. Now, like David did in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 25 through 29. Now, therefore, O Lord God, the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and his house, confirm it forever and do as you have spoken, that your name may be magnified forever by saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made a revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing may the house of your servant be blessed forever. Wow, that's some bold praying. Can you pray like that? I've only recently learned to do so. This is also a time to pray for cleansing, a new heart, a willingness to work, to pray for increase and fruitfulness. Let's check Ezekiel out. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 38. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people, and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for the grain and multiply it. I will not bring a famine on you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree 
and the produce of the field, that you will not be, receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded in your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, On that day I will cleanse you from all your iniquities. I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places to be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of being a desolation in the sight of everyone who passes by. They will say this desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste, desolate, and ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left round about you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. Thus says the Lord God, This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them. I will increase their men like flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts, so will the waste cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Wow. Those are some pretty hefty promises. And just think, all we have to do to receive those promises are to accept God's word as truth, apply them in our lives, trust him, trust him, have faith God is still God and he can still do and will do what he promised. That is, as long as we realize that those promises may or may not be fulfilled during this lifetime. It is a time to pray. This watch is a time to pray and appropriate the benefits of the cross, healing, prosperity, forgiveness, strength. Jesus was crucified or nailed to the cross at the third hour, according to Mark chapter 15, verse 25. And it reads, It was the third hour when they crucified him. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself for the sake of preventing any confusion. Now, this is the second watch from 9 in the morning until noon. But notice from 12 noon until 3 o'clock there was darkness. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. That was the third watch of the day from noon to three o'clock. But are you seeing how even God worked according to the watches of the day pertaining to the crucifixion events? The Father and the Son worked carefully that the word of the prophets of old would be fulfilled and they did so maintaining these blocks of time that I present as watches. Now, this watch is also a time to pray for a crucified life. Let's pray for crucify our flesh and pick up our cross daily, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 15. It's time to do away with the old man, the old self, today, and remember to crucify the flesh daily. By rising up in the Spirit into a newness of life to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as Jesus did. Romans eight twelve through 15 reads, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit 
you are putting to death the deeds of the body. You will live. In other words, he's talking about sin. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Hmm. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 through 11. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them... You also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on a new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but in Christ is all and in all. When we pray, let's throw off the old man and nail down jealousy, anger, backbiting, gossip, slander, lying, deception, hypocrisy, and all the character traits of the devil. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life in which I live in the flesh I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And it goes on to say that I may not frustrate the grace of God. Glory. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. As I said, it's time to take off the old man. Let the new man arise in the likeness of Christ, imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit to walk a narrow path to enter throughout a narrow gate. You know, I read in the Bible somewhere that God said, I am holy, you be holy. Did God say that? Yes, he did. Do you suppose he actually meant to say that? Yes, I suspect he said what he meant and meant what he said. I had a preacher of a small country church tell me one time, and I can't really remember where or when it was. But this little pastor thumped a copy of the Ten Commandments hanging on the wall and stated rather boldly, You can't keep those commandments. And my reply was, no. If that be true, what power does Holy Spirit of the living God possess? Holy Spirit lives within us. The power of Holy Spirit and the power that raised Jesus from the dead have the same source. Why can't I keep the commandments? And he answered, because you're a sinful creature. And I told him, no. I was a sinful creature. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
and I've been baptized in water, and I was buried in the likeness of Christ, and I was raised in the newness of life. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Therein, I possessed the power of the Holy Spirit within me to simply say no to sin. He had no further objections. My point is simple. Walk in holiness. Why shouldn't we? We have a holy God. Now, you may think that grace has you covered, and that's great because to an extent it does. But let me just drop a tiny bit of information for you. There is a great aversion among the Christian community towards the law, or the Torah. Well, the word Torah is derived from the Hebrew verb yara. What does yara mean? It means to instruct, to point out, to lay a foundation. Jesus said, Lonnie didn't say it, the old watchman didn't say it, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or seraph shall pass away from the law until all things have come to pass. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, this one shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and scholars of the law, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. That'd be Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. This watch is the watch to put away the old man, rise up in the spirit, and receive the promises of God. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel, and you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.